What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder is where you can find all of our podcasts. Uh, jump on, get all of our great podcasts, whether it's us, whether it's soccer, whether it's NBA, you name it, we have it all there. And of course, you get everything, uh, all of our published work, which it is overboard, especially on the NFL side right now. Uh, for the NFL draft and will continue to be the best draft coverage you'll find in one place in the world. So theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Also, if you want to just jump on the pod, you can do that uh, with your favorite podcast service, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, go jump on the Duncan Holder podcast. So last week on the pod, we dove into each offensive position group, the Saints, uh, well, could look at in, within the NFL draft. So we address every position group uh, because they can certainly look everywhere. And so this week we're going to go defensive heavy and I'm willing to bet we'll have a lot more uh, to discuss Jeff this week, just because of the landscape of the roster. There are certain holes throughout every level of the defense. You could say, all right, well, I can this a pick at this position group might make sense uh, for the saints when it comes up, whenever they draft. Yeah, didn't, didn't we talk about this earlier uh, in the season, uh, the offseason, that looked like the brunt of the salary cap casualties were going to come on the defensive side of the ball? And, uh, you know, it's funny, Larry, I, I'm, I'm doing a, uh, a season preview for like, uh, a lo- you know, one of those season magazine previews. And they, the, one of the editors sent me a request yesterday. He said, I need a you know, top new addition on the team for every team, who's it with the Saints? And I was like, I don't think they have one. I don't, I don't think there is a top new addition. I mean, when I started looking at the offseason moves. There's one addition, the fullback. That's yeah, it. I, well, I guess the defensive end from the Chiefs or whatever. I can't oh, pronounce yeah. Name. Tano Passingwa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. That makes yeah. sense. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what we're looking at, though. And I said, I think we need to wait till the draft is done because I think that's where the Saints, the plan is to address the defense is going to be in the draft. I mean, it has to be. Otherwise, they've got some glaring holes, right? Yeah, or they sign a veteran after the draft, basically what they did with Jameis Winston. Uh, Then it won't count against your compensatory picks. And as we know, the Saints had plenty of losses uh, and not a lot of signings and free agency. So I think that's probably the route. Even someone like Richard Jefferson, Richard Jefferson, Richard Sherman said that publicly uh, that he expected someone after the draft to come after someone as grizzled of a veteran as him to see where they stand there. Uh, but Jeff, all right, I'm mentioning cornerback. I mean, we can kind of hop all over the map, uh, but it's easily the most glaring need because of the loss of Janoris Jenkins and the Saints have not signed anyone. I know they've kind of, uh, been rumored connected to a couple of players, but obviously nothing has happened yet. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they signed a veteran afterward, but there's no doubt they need a young corner. And Jeff, if you just look at the class, there are a lot of possibilities, say in rounds 
one through three, uh, varying levels of security, but there are definitely going to be plenty of options to where the Saints, if they don't feel like they have to reach for one, I don't think they have to reach for one uh, to just to get one early. Well, Dane Brugler said the other day on his um, Pros to Prospects, uh, Prospects to Pros, I should say, podcast, that the second round, there's about five corners that he has graded similarly, and he said it's all going to come down to scheme fit, what your uh, preference is for team to team. So I could see the Saints doing that if they go in another direction in round one. But I'm with you. I'll be stunned if the Saints do not take a corner in one of the first two rounds in this draft unless there's uh, just some players on the board that they have to take at other positions. Uh, When you look at their depth chart right now, uh, the only experienced players they've got at corner are Lattimore and Patrick Robinson. I mean, I guess you could throw P.J. Williams into that mix, but he's kind of converted to safety these days. Um, they they are really uh, shy of depth at that position. It's one of the most critical positions in the game. So uh, you've got to think that they're going to go heavy at corner. And, uh, you know, w- when we do these mock drafts and we look at, uh, you know, potential scheme fits for the Saints, one thing to always – Note is, you know, they like their prototypes. Jeff Ireland's big on prototypes. They don't like small corners. So I've seen some people uh, mocking like Asante Samuel to the Saints. I would be stunned if they took him just because he's a smaller guy. They want bigger. They played more man-to-man coverage last year, Larry, than I think any team in the league. I was looking at the Sports Info Solutions, um, uh, you know, analytics from the season and the saints were number one in the league and in, in playing press man-to-man coverage. So they're going to want a bigger guy that can reroute and, and, and play that type of, uh, of defense. So just have that in mind when you're looking at these potential prospects there, I'd be surprised if they take one of these undersized guys. Right. And when you look at it, I would look five eleven's not too short, but if you're five eleven and you're one eighty or five ten and one eighty, like Asante Samuel, like you just mentioned, he's someone where I'd be curious. Uh, I don't know about that. Or uh, Elijah Molden, I mean Alex Molden's son. Don't hold that against him uh, if you think Alex Molden is a bust. But he's five nine, one ninety two, and he ran a four six forty. To me, I that doesn't make sense to me if the Saints would go that route. But, look, there are a lot of players six foot, 190, 195, or even 5'11", 195. So, look, there are plenty of options for the Saints uh, that I don't think would hold them back. So, Jeff, let's just start at the top of the class. Uh, We know Patrick Sertan and we know J.C. Horn. They are obviously the two head and shoulders corners above everyone else at this rate. And at some point, I'm going to write a column about players I would trade up for. And these two would be players you would have to trade up for. How much do you think in this climate the Saints would be compelled to trade up for either a Sertan or J.C. Horn? Yeah, I think they could for sure. Uh, Because they've got the ammo now, the assets to do it. Uh, It just depends on if they really view one of those guys as a can't-miss first-round grade prospect, uh, you know, along the lines of Lattimore. 
Uh, I think it's a good year for them to be in the market for a corner. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of other teams uh, that are in pursuit of those kind of players. I'm even curious to see, Larry, if, say, Caleb Farley fell to them, uh, if they would pull the trigger on him because, I mean, he was a top 10 pick on most boards before this, uh, you know, this back condition came up. And we've seen the Saints in the past. That's one thing I'll say about Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis. They're not afraid. If their medical information, uh, you know, confirms, uh, you know, what they what what their interest is, uh, they will pull the trigger on a guy that's had injury history uh, in college. I mean, I've brought it up before. I mean, remember all the all the uh, concerns with Marshawn Lattimore's hamstrings at Ohio State. Uh, that was a kind of a narrative, and I know it wasn't the same as Farley in a back, but the point is they will do their due diligence medically, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them go in that direction on a player that talent-wise is probably a top-ten prospect. I mean, Farley is someone who you're going to be able to consider possibly at 28 uh, because of the back issue. But, uh, look, talent-wise, he could be the best one out there. So he might be the steal of the draft. But I'm just going to put this out there. If you're going to trade up for Sertan or Horn, you're going to give up your one this year. You're going to give up a one next year, and you're going to probably give up another pick to move up to where to get those guys. So you're going to be you're going to be paying the price for that if you want to do it. And you also got to find a team in that range that might not want those players. And in the and that range, teams would probably be saying, "Oh, we're going to take Sertan or we're going to take Horn." So it's it's not going to be an easy route for them now greg newsome he's their number three corner on uh, on a, uh, the athletics big board six foot 192 he seems to fit the bill uh if, if someone uh, say 21 22 if you want to trade up with them it won't cost you as much the saints have done that before in the past where they've gone up from uh, 27 or 28 up to 20 they did that with brandon cooks uh, but, you know, is Newsom enough of a talent saying, man, we got to go have him? So I, I don't know if that's the case. But, uh, you know, to me, it's it seems like if the Saints stay put, Newsom or Farley would be the ones that they would target around one. Yeah, the only concerns I have with Newsom, and I wrote about that this week, is uh, a couple things. One, he's had some injury issues that have kept him off the field. So his his durability, I think, is a question mark just because his frame is – not that he's not that sturdy of a guy, but clearly has the athletic ability that's needed at that position to mirror and play press coverage. So he's a fit that way. The other thing is he only had one interception his entire college career. That seems really low, uh, but they did play kind of a, uh, a, a zone scheme that wasn't going to allow them to get a lot of, of hands on the balls for interceptions. Uh, so maybe that, uh, in the Saints scouting evaluation would explain the low production rate. But uh, everything else about him sounds like a perfect fit for the Saints uh, scheme and, you know, all the all the high marks he gets for his intelligence and off the field leadership, things like that, that we know the Saints really value. All right, if they pass on a corner in day one, day two, obviously they have three picks, uh, a second rounder and two threes. Uh, who are maybe uh, the corners that stick out to you if that if they wait for there that you'd say, all right, the Saints have to try to get on, on top of that because a lot of these guys are going to fly off the board, I feel like, 
before 60. So where do the Saints go? What do they do? Who are the, who are the corners that kind of stick out to you and say, all right, the Saints might uh, want to be interested in this guy? Well, there was a, a, a couple of guys, I think, in the second and third rounds. Matter of fact, let me let me call up Dane's thing while we're talking here because I, I had it called up and I somehow killed it, Larry, while we were while we were uh, <laughs> rambling this on. This isn't here. a first or a second that that you, this has happened to you, but all right, I'll start. Here's one that's kind of under the radar. Yeah, it's kind of under the radar, and he came up a lot in when I I just had the uh, I did 50 draft simulations over the last couple of days and, and wrote about the results. Uh, came out uh, Thursday morning in the Athletic, and someone that stood out, and he he's not a household name and he's not from a household college, but uh, Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas. He's five eleven and a half, one ninety three, runs a four three nine, and is an interception machine. Like he he was in his sophomore and junior year. I think he might have had ten or eleven picks, and then obviously his senior year. No one threw at him, so he didn't have any picks. So they stayed away from him. So he has all the measurables, uh, production, someone who might be a third-round guy. Again, he's kind of off the radar. Uh, He actually made Bruce Feldman, you know, our colleague at The Athletic, his annual freaks list just because of how athletically gifted he is. And to me, if he's around in round three and I'm the Saints – I'm drafting him. Uh, to me, he's one of those guys. You, you know me. I always get kind of these draft crushes. He's one of my draft crushes right now. Robert Rochelle, Central Arkansas. Is, is he the guy? Uh, and I'm trying to remember, Larry. Isn't he the one from Louisiana? Is he from Shreveport? Maybe. Am I, am I right about? It? I think I think that's the same guy. He is from Shreveport. Went to Fair Park High School. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I read about him. Yeah. He he fit the Saints. Every way, right? Played a ton of man-to-man, great athlete. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would would consider him uh, like a guy, like a good example, another former Louisiana product, uh, Louisiana guy, uh, Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky, transferred to Kentucky. I don't think he would be in the mix because he's got some off-the-field concerns. There were some questions about him, uh, you know, his effort and a lot of things with him that I would be surprised, for instance, if they would go in that direction because Joseph has had a little bit of a checkered background. But Rochelle uh, makes a lot of sense. He's got the size. I think another guy that I liked, uh, and I finally found it, by the way. It took, took me a little while, but I got it. Uh, I stopped like, long it, enough for you to find it, so it was okay. <laughs> you know, guys like you know Tyson Campbell uh, and the kid from Syracuse, I need you to pronounce it. Was it Ifiatu? Melifonwu, uh, yeah, not bad, right? Eric Stowe, you know, these guys all with the right size measurables in the second round, they're all graded together. Uh, so it's going to come down to, you know, what, what do the Saints think? What does Jeff Ireland, what's that grade on them? I could definitely see them pulling the trigger on a corner in the second round and just going like they always do in the first round uh, for a, you know, best player available. I'm going to write a column, a little um, – uh, a, a little shameless plug here, probably right before the draft. And th- I know this is a defensive discussion, but I really think what's most important for the Saints offensively is not necessarily a position as it is a trait. I think they need to add explosiveness. We talked about this last time on the podcast. Like, I think they need to add some kind of perimeter playmaker 
that's got quick strike ability and some speed because I believe that's a, a missing element in this offense. So they, I, could, well, I guess what I'm getting at is I could see them doing something like that in the first round and then just going heavy on uh, defensive players in rounds two, three, four, you know, all the way the rest of the draft. Yeah, I think they have options uh, just all over the map. Like they don't have to be – I know a lot of people – are hell-bent. They've got to take a corner in round one. Well, what if all of the top four are gone? Don't reach for one. Uh, get in round two. If, if there's someone you like mid-round two and you really love, trade up to go get them. Uh, so they got too many spots and holes for them to absolutely reach for the fifth best corner at number 28 just because of what you said. And as we go through this discussion, uh, all over the map on defense – you can go draft a guy and could come in and help. And why don't we switch gears? Uh, let's move over to linebacker. And if there's a guy, I have one guy that I'm kind of giving away my column that's going to be coming up at some point in this draft season. But if there's one player, if I'm the Saints at linebacker that I'm trading up for, it's Micah Parsons from Penn State. Wow. You got a crush would, on Micah Parsons. Absolutely. He fits everything that the Saints would want. He's not a light guy. He's, you know, 245, uh, and he can do it all. So uh, even though you know I've had a – I've got a little crush on Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. He's a bigger guy. He's more of, say, like a Dante Hightower sort of player, would fit probably perfectly in New England. And actually, Dane Brugler had Zayvon Collins as the top linebacker in his last mock going to New England, above Parsons and above uh, – Jeff, do you want to announce his name, uh, pronounce his name? Jeremiah Awusu-Koromua. Do you, do you know – There you go. Just right off the bat. Flows off the tongue. But, uh, but, yeah, Parsons is a guy I would trade up for. I basically just gave away the three guys I would trade up for. I would I'd trade up for Sertan. I would trade up for Horn. And I would trade up for Parsons. And I would be willing to give up a one this year, a one next year, and some other pick. Those would be my three guys. Wow. I'm surprised you would do that for a linebacker, you know, the position that really is irrelevant in today's game. But Yeah, really irrelevant. <laughs> but Parsons is – he is like the real deal. Every, you know, analysis you read of him is just glowing. He sounds like a kind of a can't-miss prospect that's going to be a, a Pro Bowl caliber player, you know, right away. He's that, he's that talented. So – I could see that, uh, and he would slide in well in the in the Saints system. Again, it goes back to the prototypes. They like bigger guys. They like guys that can take on blockers and, and shed them and hold up against the run. I mean, the Saints really like stout guys in, on defense. They don't like these undersized guys. If they take them, it's usually in the later rounds where they're graded, you know, where they're graded lower because of their system fit, their scheme fit, not being uh, is good because of their prototypes. So guys like Parsons, Collins, uh, you know, some of these bigger linebackers, that was one of the reasons last year, if you remember, they they did not have um, Patrick Queen graded as high uh, as uh, the linebacker. What was his name from Oklahoma? Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. Yeah, yes. just, just strictly because of a scheme fit, not not talent. They just they feel like in their scheme, they need guys more built like Murray than, than say, Patrick Queen. Both of them end up having really good rookie years. It's just a different flavor for what, what you're looking for. 
So that means, okay, I'm mentioning Parsons and we're mentioning Collins. It's almost like people think Collins might be too big and he doesn't run fast enough. I just know he's a playmaker. And again, he's, I've been open and honest. He's, he's one of my draft crushes as well. Uh, and I mentioned the, uh, the kid out of Notre Dame, Owusu Koromua, and it's not that he might not be a great player, but you look at him, and it's exactly what you said. It's the same sort of Patrick Queen thing. He's 6'1", 221. I mean, what, I don't think the Saints would value him as high as other teams would. And he might come in and be – look, Queen was a great player right away. Uh, this kid might be a great player right away. But I just don't see the Saints going that route because he's not this bigger guy. And also, you look at some of the projections that uh, Dane Brugler has – they could see him at linebacker, safety, nickel. I mean, is that what the Saints are really looking for in a linebacker that high because it might have to trade up to go get this guy? I'm skeptical. Yeah, and the same thing I think is true of Nick Bolton at Missouri. 5'11", 237, kind of, you know, just a little light. Uh, so I would, I would be surprised if they went in that direction as well. I could see them addressing that position, though, on the first two or three days, for sure. Uh, you know, one guy that's kind of caught my eye a little bit, I, mean, I remember seeing him play, uh, is, is Chaz Surratt, you know, from North Carolina. He's got a brother that uh, played wide receiver uh, and is also in this draft. And Surratt was like a an elite quarterback prospect who converted over to linebacker. That's kind of what happened with uh, Zach Bond, if you remember. He was a high it's school exactly player. what happened, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes that, that's the kind of thing that they like. They like those all-around athletes and, and, and can see maybe a ceiling, a higher ceiling on a player that hasn't reached his potential yet, like a Sarada. I think the same thing's true of the kid from, of all places, Kentucky, Jamin Davis, who um, who is kind of an ascending player, and he's got the measurable 6'3", 234, um, you know, kind of a player getting better that might end up, uh, you know, reaching uh, his potential in his second year in the NFL or something. So I could I could see them having one of these guys maybe, uh, you know, graded really high because he fits exactly what the Saints want and has like a high upside. What do you make of Jabril Cox? I mean, obviously we always connect LSU. Can they go to the Saints, this, that, and the other? There's a need there, just like last year, Patrick Queen. Uh, Jabril Cox, what, what do you make of – uh, maybe his fit with the Saints potentially. Yeah, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I had him slotted in at one point as a, a potential pick, as like a Saints kind of guy, um, because he's got all these great leadership qualities and he's got the size and obviously he can run. But there was something in his evaluation that gave me a little bit of a pause. I maybe this could also just be the dreaded paralysis analysis, but you know what I mean? Like you just you read so much on these guys and you start finding every little uh, nit to pick. And there was something I think maybe in his, um, maybe his run support, I think maybe that was not outstanding. And I, I remember having this conversation with Jeff Ireland last year. That's one of the biggest things that he values. He wants linebackers that will stick their nose in there that will come up and support the run. And I'm not saying Cox can't do it or whatever, but I think that was something that in his evaluation of, of, um, of uh, Dane Brugler's that that's an area he needed to get better at. And that, that's the only thing that gave me pause on him at all. Yeah, it is the run fits uh, that Brugler mentioned. Uh, and he put in his, his summary that makes it tough to love him. 
Yeah. <laughs> but but he is easy to like with his smooth athleticism. I'm just reading off. Spatial awareness and football character. He projects as a versatile defender with three-down ability. So, hey, if you're in round two and he falls to you, I think the Saints might have a good feeling with that because he might not be there. Uh, you know, he might have been slotted a little higher. So if he falls to you, I think that would be hard to pass up. Uh, you know, he, you only heard good things out of him from coming from North Dakota State. I don't think you 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 don't want to penalize him because of LSU's awful defense last year. I mean, he and he was there for one year, and obviously that whole thing was a train wreck, and it wasn't his fault. So uh, you don't discount what you saw before uh, when that made him such a good pot prospect coming out of North Dakota State. So look, you know, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not running to project it like last year. Patrick Queen seems so easy, even though you knew he was a lighter guy. But, uh, yeah, I still think that that's something that the Saints could look at. I'm with you with Surratt. I think he's someone that uh, round three might be someone they take a look at. And in I did a my own draft simulation a few weeks ago, uh, a few days ago, when I played the GM, and I actually took him, I think, at 105. Uh, really? So, okay. yeah, I think yeah, I think so. I think that was someone that, that I like there. But he is similar to Bond. I mean, you know, Bond was more of a pass rusher, Surratt, and maybe more of a just a, a, a traditional linebacker. But it would be the same sort of guy. So I'm curious to see if the Saints, with someone like Surratt, they might say, well, we already got Bond. Why would we want him? Well, and, and as we've talked about before, I mean, really, the Saints, the way they play defense – they spend almost all their time in like a four-two-five alignment, uh, and one of those two is always Demario Davis. So we're really talking about one spot on the defense, and they've got, uh, and we've talked about this before. They like a lot of their young linebackers on this team. I mean, Caden Ellis, they like. They like Andrew Dowell. They like uh, Chase Hansen. So you know, they've got some other guys on the team already that could project along with Bond. Into, into one of those spots, but I'm sure they'd love to add a, another body to the mix, another prospect, maybe one with a little more size as well because all those guys are kind of on the small side. Right, and all unproven, never played in the NFL really. Uh, I mean, Bond, sort of, Ellis, sort of, but nothing, no real experience. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'd be shocked if they didn't leave the draft with a, with a, a linebacker in tow. Uh, let's move over to the defensive line. Let's start on the edge, uh, Jeff, and it's – it's a position where we, we, we know they have bodies there. Cam Jordan, uh, Marcus Davenport, uh, Carl Granderson, uh, Tano Passanwa, who they just signed uh, from the Chiefs. So right now, that would be their four guys that they would roll with. But I'm curious because it seems like they don't have this overwhelming great pass rush class. It's almost like it goes from middle round and – there's a lot of projects I feel like that I'm seeing. And so do the Saints really want to take that quote unquote project again at number 28? And I saw one uh, comparison of one prospect. They said, oh, he'd be like Marcus Davenport. And I'm sure Saints fans would probably throw something at the TV if they <laughs> took that guy too early. Uh, so what do you make of the edge spot? Well, as, as I was going through the, that position, it struck me that, it might be a little bit more of a sneaky need than we think because of we don't know Cam Jordan, his long-term status with the team. What's the vision for him long-term? There's an out after next season on his contract. 
they've been, you know, working on his deal as well. So, you know, how many more years does he have? Uh, he dropped off noticeably last year in production. Uh, that happens when you get in your 30s at that position. So I'm wondering if the Saints internally consider this maybe more of a need, especially considering Davenport has not exactly been, you know, lighting it on fire. And he's had a bunch of injuries throughout his career. So I, I think this could be a spot where they pull the trigger early and everybody's like, whoa, they've got, you know, that's kind of a, posi a position of strength. But if you really look down the road, like Mickey Loomis and Jeff Ireland do, uh, they may say this this guy could be our starter in 2021, the defensive end. Uh, so I could definitely see that happening. But like you, I don't see a lot of guys in this draft that really fit what the Saints like to do. Again, they like bigger ends like Cam Jordan, like Trey Hendrickson, like Marcus Damavor. They don't like these undersized, like edge rusher types, um, you know, those situational pass rushers. If they take a guy like that, it's – like Carl Granderson, they, they're going to take them late. Uh, I, I don't think that's where they would go in that direction early in the round one or two. If you're not 260 pounds, I don't think the Saints even look at you because they play the 4-3, and that's uh, you need to have someone with some juice, really. And that's why someone like Azizo Jalari – uh, you know he's 249. I'm, I'm. That's not going to fit for me for the Saints. Right. I would look at uh, Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Someone six two two sixty one. Someone you might consider Jalen Phillips six five two sixty. To me, that's he's basically looks like and sounds like a Marcus Davenport type. Who he actually had production, but someone like him, he's had a lot of injury issues, a lot of concussions. I mean. He basically left UCLA to go to Miami because they didn't want to really clear him anymore. So he went there, uh, but he's someone who he has definitely got the look and someone who definitely seems like he could project to being good, but project. You, and, you know, medical, you got to go through that. And so, you know, of the, of the top, say, five guys, to me, I mean, Pay and Phillips would fit the bill a little more than some of the other ones, uh, you know, Jason Owe, who, I mean, the guy had zero sacks last year. I'm sorry. I'm not, I could hear all the hype about him. I'm not, you got to have a sack. I mean, give me a break. You, you, he started seven games and didn't have a sack. That's, to me, not going to cut it. Joseph Tryon, well, Joe Tryon, uh, you know, he's the one who projects, Dane Brugler projects him as Marcus Davenport. So I'm sure people are trying to run for the hills. But another one who would actually fit the prototype, is uh, Phillips' teammate, uh, Gregory Russo, 6'6", 266. Uh, and in 2019, the kid had 15 and a half sacks. So if I'm looking at an edge, got to be at least 260, and I need to at least see some production for me to even really give them a shot at being drafted with the Saints early. I mean, not late, but early. Yeah, I think both those Miami guys fit the bill. Um, that's, why I, that's why I slotted in. Uh, Carlos Boogie Basham, I love that nickname, because he he's almost like a carbon. But you copy. love Boogie Cousins so much. I mean, how can you how can you yeah. give your affection away to Boogie Basham? What's the matter with you? What about our What about our local guy, Cameron Sample? I think he would be a, a mid round pick that fits what the Saints do, and and is a kind of guy that I think, uh, you know, he kept getting better at Tulane. I, I like Cam Sample. I think I think he could be a, a potential mid round target. 
I love Cam Sample. Mid-round crush. Put it down. Yeah. I think because I well, first of all, we've seen him play more than some of these guys, so maybe there's a little of that. But we you and me have seen him get better. I've seen him play outside and inside. If he can do that with the Saints, more value to you. I mean, that would be something that uh, would be super helpful. And look, he, uh, our, uh, our our buddy Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, he keeps touting Cam Sample on Twitter again and again and again. And uh, you know, if he develops as an edge, that's great. But if you can move him inside on pass situations and do this. Like, I think that's someone that the Saints have to entertain. Uh, and if we're looking more at Tulane, I would entertain him more than Patrick Johnson. You know, he's a great kid, very productive at Tulane, but he's more of a 3-4 guy. So it's it's hard to, for me to see him with the Saints, and he's more of a linebacker than anything else. But just regardless, I'm with you. I love Sample with the Saints. I, I think he can play both inside outside. He works for me. And I think, you know, switching over real quick, I'm just going to kind of do this on my own without you leading us uh, into the defensive tackle position. I think if the Saints pull the trigger on a defensive tackle, it'll be more of a, uh, you know, Malcolm Brown type replacement, a bigger guy, uh, you know, more of a run stuffer, because I think they like, uh, you know, Malcolm Roach and Shy Tuttle. Uh, those guys, I think, are more three technique type uh, defensive tackles. And I think if they were looking interior, it would be more of a stout run defender that could come in and uh, spell uh, Onyemata uh, and, and fill that role that Brown had. Yeah, well, you know, Onyemata, obviously they, they went with him in the three-technique spot over uh, and let Sheldon Rankins walk. Now he's with the Jets. So if you're looking at, say, nose guys, uh, probably the, the – the, few guys you could look at look christian barmore i mean if he's around uh, look i bet they went to alabama pro day and i'm sure they looked at him uh, i don't think they would pass up on him uh, i don't know if he's going to fall that far uh, but he would be someone that okay you could you could put him in there and and be that type of guy uh, maybe someone like davion nixon from iowa maybe someone like Aleem McNeil from North Carolina State. Those would be bigger guys, you know, they're like 315. So you would assume they would be more nose tackle type of guys. Uh, and Bobby Brown from Texas A&M. But, of course, like the, the name we can look at, and we don't know what – he's probably all over the map with teams is Tyler Shelvin from LSU. Uh, opted out. People thought before he opted out, or, you know, right after that championship season, maybe he'd be like a first-round, second-round guy. And our, our own Dane Brugler has him as a fifth, sixth-round guy. So, you know, it's uh, I'm curious to see what happens with him. I'll be stunned if the Saints pull the trigger on Tyler. He's exactly the kind of guy they don't like. You know, these guys that have problems with their weight and, you know, fluctuate. Are they really committed to being a professional uh, you know, sometimes a light bulb comes on late, so you don't give up on players. But if they took someone like that, I think it would definitely be late because of the issues he's shown. Uh, his weight fluctuation is a real, real concern for me. It's like John Jenkins. When they took yeah. him, they took him round three, and he was a monster, but never really panned out. And so I mean, he's bounced around the league a bunch. You know, he's etched himself a good career. But uh, you look at it from now and you say, wow, he was a big guy. And uh, they, I think they've kind of moved away from that. But look, you know, we could argue defensive tackle. 
that's something that they need. Uh, I think they absolutely need to fill in someone at nose. I don't know who would start at nose right now. Would it be Shy Tuttle? No, I don't think so. But who would be? It? Who would it be? They may alter their scheme. I mean, I think you can. Onyemata, even though he's not that big a guy, he's incredibly strong. I mean, he holds the point of attack as well as anybody in the league for his size. I think they may just roll the dice with those two guys and not necessarily have a, uh, you know, a, a Malcolm Brown type run stuffer in there. I, I think they just may go with their best players. You know, interesting. That'll be something we'll, we'll watch. Something sneaky we'll watch. Uh, throughout this. All right, uh, let's go. We got one more position, safety. Uh, look, Marcus Williams, we kind of saved safety for last just because Marcus Williams, he's back. You know he's going to be back. So that's uh, that's going to help fill that void uh, of a need of a safety. But still, uh, look, I, I still think that's something that the Saints, they're not going to ignore. Uh, I feel like they typically draft safeties. I mean, I almost feel like I can rattle off uh, safety after safety, and they, they draft them. Uh, so not it's not an overall big-time need, but something I'm not going to dismiss uh, if they take one round three. I, I, don't, I don't think that'd be a problem. Heck, I, I, I threw in this, you know, Trayvon Merrick is a potential target in round one because he's a Saints type of player, smart player, productive, leader in the locker room, very versatile, versatile guy. Uh, you know, we know Dennis Allen likes those type of players on his defense, just like he does uh, with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He can move them around. That's, what's, that's what the NFL is becoming. It's almost like a positionless game. And so you just get versatile athletes, and you can match them up uh, in pass coverage. So I could see them doing that. I mean, here, here's the other thing, Larry. Just like defensive end, we don't know the long-term future of either of those guys. Malcolm Jenkins is in his mid-30s. We don't know how long he's going to continue playing at, at the level he played at last year. He could drop off. And they still haven't signed Marcus Williams to a long-term deal. I mean, you know, that that's the other thing. We don't know. If he goes into the season under the franchise tag and something happens, I mean, they've all of a sudden got a need uh, for safety. So I could definitely see they've got, like you said earlier in the pod, really you can make a case for any level of this defense pulling the trigger on a guy uh, high in this draft because you could see a need maybe not only this season but but down the road i agree uh i'm but like i said it seems like they always tend to draft a safety uh somewhere along the line uh do they make the team or not that 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 sometimes doesn't happen either but uh i mean i could go back to i mean vinny sinceri uh, uh let's see Oh, gosh, Saquon Hampton, you know, players like that, uh, even though they've drafted, obviously, Marcus Williams and Malcolm Jenkins and Roman Harper and Von Bell and all these guys, they like to draft safeties. So uh, I think that's something that uh, somewhere, probably mid-round, uh, they go after, unless one of these safeties, like you said, Richie Grant or uh, uh, Trevon Morig, if they fall and they're in love with them, They'll do it, and then you'll probably be thinking, oh, my gosh, what are they doing? But uh, that might be something to where uh, you draft them, and then maybe next year you say, all right, bye, Malcolm Jenkins, and then you, you move on with some other guys. So that's right. uh, we cannot discount that I mean, because they so often draft safeties. It's The point you made on the offensive podcast about Alvin Kamara, I think so. you should just apply that same strategy 
across the board with the Saints. They didn't really need a running back then. The guy was too good to pass up, and they get him, and all of a sudden Mark Ingram becomes expendable a year later. That happens all the time in the NFL. That's how decision makers, personnel directors think. They're not thinking 2021. They're thinking, what's our roster going to look like in 2022 and 2023? Uh, we may need a safety. So let, let's let's get this guy who we think is going to be a really good player. We've got him graded very highly. Uh, and you don't worry about, uh, you know, the sliding in in August uh, training camp. Uh, that, that's not what they're thinking about when they're when they're evaluating these prospects. Especially with the Saints having eight picks and lost a lot of roster depth. And, uh, and so you need cheap, young talent across the board. So it wouldn't stun me if they had seven or eight picks. I mean, we, we figure they're going to make a trade up or something that's somewhere along the line. But I don't think they're going to trade like four picks and go away like they did last year to go get Adam Troutman. I feel like that they know they need to replenish through the draft and find some young players that they feel like maybe can pan out because uh, a lot of these guys, I mean, we've seen a lot of draft picks not make the team recently. This is the year where draft picks are more likely to make the team than it has been in the last four years. Last year was quality over quantity, and I think it's the exact opposite this year. I think they're going to use most of those picks. That's why I'll be surprised. They may make a, a trade trade up, as we know they're, they're want to do, for a targeted player, but I don't think they're going to give up a bunch of picks because I, I, I agree 100%. They need as many good young athletes on that defense as they can to build depth and, and look at the roster toward the future. Uh, and, and, and be able to balance the books with some of these lucrative contracts. They're going to have to negotiate here with Ryan Ramchek, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams. Uh, those are going to be big-ticket items, so they need as many guys on rookie deals as, as they can. Absolutely. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast. Again, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can subscribe, get all of our podcasts, and, of course, any podcasts throughout our network and of course all of our written work whether it's new orleans or seattle or manchester united we have it all theathletic.com slash duncan holder you can subscribe through there or if you just want to get the pod apple spotify wherever you get your pods uh jump on there rate review subscribe get on the duncan holder podcast so for jeff duncan i am larry holder thanks once again for joining us on the Duncan Holder Podcast on the Athletics Podcast Network.